Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. If you do have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis chapter 8. And today we are going to continue our series on necessary endings. And I thought last week Pastor Steve crushed it. Can we give it up online and here in the room? How he crushed it. And what I, I was changed. And, and I want you to know I want things in my life that need to end. They're ending right now that I can have a better tomorrow. Today, we're gonna talk about something very important, two biblical concepts that no matter what we face as a people, a nation, a family, a believer, that we can absolutely overcome. And I want you to text these two words, write these two words. Why did I say text? Well, send it to your ex, I don't know. You know, or chat is what I was thinking. I want you to chat sowing in seasons because no matter what happens in our lives, sowing in seasons will help us get through. Now, let me just say, we're living in an uncertain times. And when things get out of our control, I would say the one thing that I've learned in the last two years with a global pandemic, there's very few things that I could control. Now, before I was married, I actually thought that I would be able to control Becky. And uh, holy God, that is not true. There's actually, I can't control mandates. I can't control the government. I can't control my wife. I can't control my grandkids. I can't control my son. I can't really control anything but one thing, and that is my perspective, my attitude, and my actions. When it seems like all purgatory is breaking loose on the world, I can sow and I could live appropriately in the season that I find myself in. Can you say amen? Thank you for that overwhelming Rams clap. Amen. Okay. Now, I want you to get this. Great is the art of beginning. When you're beginning something new, that you're engaged. Then you're going to be married. And I'm so happy for you. Unbelievable today. And, And that's what life's about. Seasons come and seasons go. But greater is the art of ending. And so next week, you don't want to miss next week. I'm going to speak on you're pruned if you do and you're pruned if you don't. You've heard of that phrase, right? It goes a little bit different in Louisiana. You're pruned if you do, you're pruned if you don't. And then the last uh, message of this series, which you do not want to miss, is unexpected endings. And I will share with you there are things in life that come our way that were so out of control. I'll mention one towards the end of this talk and sermon today, but there is one thing I'm telling you we can control, and that's our attitude, and that's our actions with the living God. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, whether we like it or not, endings are necessary part of life. And there will never be anything new if we do not let go of the old. Are you with me? And so when things are out of control, and I'm seeing this in our church, in our nation, specifically in our state and on the West Coast, the more 
we feel out of control the more we try to have a tighter grip on the season we're in and the things we possess, thinking that will give us an assured assurance of tomorrow. And there's only one sure thing, and that there is a God, I am not him, and he is for me, and he is not against me. Amen. And so parting of letting uh, go things has the right perspective and endings are not a problem. They actually become a blessing. I want to begin to read to you uh, Genesis 8:22, And this is words after the first global pandemic, or we'd say it this way, after a global catastrophe. Uh, it was a global flood and they had eight people that survived it. And it was Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives. And they were in this great boat called the ark. And as they came out of the ark, God began to pin these words. And these words really are etched into the soul of all humanity. And if we get this now, no matter what season we face, that we can overcome that season by doing two things. Number one, sowing no matter what season we're into and having the perspective of being aware God has put me in this season. And that'll make sense. So we're in Genesis. We're soon going to be going to the book of Ecclesiastes. Here we go. It says, while the earth remains, seed time in harvest. I'd like you to write that down, chat that, draw attention to it. So seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer. So this is where we're getting the concept from these words that there's going to be sowing, there's going to be reaping, there's going to be cold, there's going to be heat, there's going to be day, there will be night, and it shall not cease. It will not cease. As long as this earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. How many of you love giving? How many of you gave it in the offering today? Okay, don't lie, don't lie, don't know. Now, you know how we like to approach this verse is this way. Watch, I'm going to say, show you how we love this verse. Sowing and reaping. We just love it real quick. That I give, then it's going to come right back to me. I'm going to give, and it's going to come right back to me. And some people even get mad. Well, I gave $5. Why am I still broke? Well, it is sowing and that's the longest conjunction in the entire word of God. How many of you know sometimes you sow and five years go by, then eventually you may reap? Are you with me? So the world is made of sowing and reaping. And when you and I feel out of control, I want you to take a piece of paper, maybe do this in your mind right now, and I want you to draw a line down your paper if you're taking notes. And I want you to list everything that's out of your control. Can we do some? Okay. Uh, the truckers in Canada can't control them, you know, but I give them a shout out. Amen. You know, uh, can't control whether we do mass or not mass. I cannot control so many things. However, there's one thing on the other side. What is the one thing you can't control? I can control me. And when I feel life is out of control, there are two specific things I can do. That is so, and that is watch which season that I'm in. And so we really do believe that. I want you to go to another verse with me. It's Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. 
And I want to enjoy life. How many of you want to enjoy life? Okay. All three of you. Wow. Don't invite me to your Super Bowl party. You know, I want to enjoy life. And to do that, I have to sow and I have to recognize this season that I am in. Now, let's read Galatians chapter 6. And it is mimicking the very words of Genesis. It says here, it says, do not be deceived. Don't get caught up in the Instagram infomercial. They are so not true. And trust one who orders everything from Instagram. It is a waste of money. So don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man or a woman or a young person sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to the lower nature, the flesh, humanity will also of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit of the spirit he will reap everlasting life are you with me so sowing and reaping now let me just say this it seems it appears not only our nation but the world we've gotten stuck and when we get stuck we get very impatient think about being stuck in traffic nightmare stunk when you're behind the the express lane and someone has more than 16 items stunk waiting for your favorite machine at 24 hour fitness and you have the person who works out once a year spending three hours on the machine it's like oh my god share please you know can i just say i want to be unstuck in the greatest way if you hear me If you are stuck right now by something in the past that was either in your control or out of your control, the greatest way to get unstuck is to sow your way out of it and begin to recognize what season that you are in. Are you with me? So for me, life, I wish life was like the football players that are going to be on the field. Paul in 2 Timothy says this. He says in chapter 2 that there is a soldier and he is in an army and he obeys his commanding officer. Who doesn't want to be Rambo, all right? Then he says there is an athlete and we're thinking about the Olympics that are going on or the Super Bowl. And he says this, the athlete must compete according to the rules or he is disqualified or she's disqualified. Then one we never quote... I have seen people with posters of LeBron James, of Tiger Woods, of their favorite athlete, maybe of their favorite uh, soldier or MMA fighter, maybe it's McGregor from Ireland. I have never seen a young person with a poster in their room of a hardworking farmer with his leg up on the John Deere saying, go at it, boy. You're just not going to see it. it. It just doesn't motivate us. We, we want to be strong. I was watching this fighting movie on Netflix, which Becky never joins me when I watch my dude series on Net. No, it was on Amazon Prime. Okay. And, and so she comes in. She even liked it. Actually, I think she likes the actor in it, you know. <laughs> And she's pretending I'm him. (laughs) And I'm morphing into him. (laughs) 
So yesterday we go to eat downtown Ventura at a restaurant that's totally cool. In the only spots open, we're at the bar. I say, just go get, let's get two spots. I need to use the restroom. I come back in there, two guys that have encroached upon my seat, took the menu, and back in and go, excuse me, that's my spot. And the guy steps forward like this, like he's getting my face. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> so I took a step to him and go, what are you doing? I know, that's what Becky said. Actually, this is what she started doing. Pastor Jude. Pastor. He's like, mm-mm. I am not pastor right now. I am Rambo. And he took the first step. And so am I. Thank God it didn't, anything didn't happen. But in my mind, I so wanted something to happen. Oh my God. Now, can I control what that guy did? No. I didn't want to control what I was going to do. <laughs> but you know what made me even think that way? Because it was an illusion. It wasn't a reality. Actually, I'm not the guy from Amazon Prime. And that's a Hollywood series that there's a lot of stunt people doing all that. And it looks so fun. But it actually isn't fun. And that's what the world's trying to deceive us. If we get this, if we get that, if we do this, if we do that, then that's success. And I'm telling you, that is not not success. And there's one thing that I am learning during this pandemic. Go ahead, change everything. Take this away from us, take that away from us. But let me tell you what you're not going to take away from us, the power for us to sow and to give our lives. And we may not be as pretty as an athlete or strong as a soldier, but we are smart as a farmer. And why did God, after the first global catastrophe, why didn't he say, hey, when this happened, boys and girls, just man up and let's go to war? You know what he said? No. When you're facing something that troubles the world and your generation, as long as this earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest day and night, cold and hot. Why? Because seasons come, seasons go, and I'm going to sow in every season that at the end of the life, my life, I will have a harvest for eternity, not just for earth. Amen? Can you say amen to that? I want you to write these three things down. For me, when it comes to sowing, I have lived this as a lifestyle. I'm going to be 62, and I am proud of it. I am going in March to my first ever. I have wanted to do this for over 40 to 50 years. I am going to my first high school reunion in Louisiana. And I thought, I cannot wait. And Becky goes, do you think they'll remember you? I go, yeah, because they want me to pray over them. And I kind of look the same. I went on Facebook looking up people's names like, oh, whoa, is that you? Oh, my gosh, you look just like your dad, you know? And so it's like, I was thinking, God, give me my very, no, listen to me, and I'm going to stand up on this. I'm getting older. And when you get older, 
you begin to realize, hear me, young people, what's really, really important. And what's important isn't just what we accumulate in this thing called living, but is what we leave, what we sow, what we reap. Come on, and which season are we living in? And I want to magnify God in every season of my life. Now, let me tell you how my life began to change with this thing called sowing and reaping. Uh, my mom had 12 brothers and sisters. She was the oldest girl. It's like mama was destined to be a mama. She was a mama to all her brothers and sisters, pretty much. She became a mama to us, then a mama to her grandchildren. And what was interesting, my aunt, Jerry, who's my mom's sister, I didn't know. I had never really heard much of cancer. I knew uh, maybe a couple people in our small hometown maybe had a malignancy and it could have went well. And many of them, it did not go well. But I had never heard of anyone that was close to me that would be diagnosed with cancer. I'm talking about necessary endings. In the last message of this, unexpected endings. There's some things we would have never expected to happen. And it came to an end out of our control. And so my uncle, Ralph, my aunt Jerry's husband, would pass away with cancer three days on the exact day. Take that back, three months on the exact day from when my father would pass away, two of the greatest people in my life. And my aunt Jerry was watching a person on television. They were known back then uh, as a TV preacher. And many of us kind of look at that sometimes with a disdain, but you just never know what people are going through. Through. And my aunt was raised as a Catholic, and she was a devout Catholic. She would be touched by the Holy Spirit in the early 70s, who it was called the Catholic Charismatic Movement of the Spirit. And she, it, she began to open up, and she would follow this guy on TV. And when Uncle Ralph died, Michelle, Aunt Jerry had to take over his business. She had seven children. She had never ran the business. My oldest cousin would begin to help. My uncle had a good business, not an overwhelmingly successful business at that point. It made money. However, Aunt Jerry started doing something. She started giving. She started sewing. She made an active decision. Not only would she sew from their personal finances, she began to sew from the business's money. And that business began to double, quadruple. What happened in that business is staggering. And you say, how did it happen? Well, out of a, literally an unexpected ending, here's a woman who is a young widow. She has young children. And how did she get out of being stuck when something unexpected came to her, she started sewing. And can I say sewing isn't just giving money, although that is a part of it. It's giving our time. It's giving our energy. It's giving who we are as a person. I don't know anything more powerful than to get us unstuck than this one principle. We sew our way out of a dark season. Come on. And so for me, I, I shifted, and she was reading. I'll never forget, my mom was bringing her to the hospital in New Orleans, Oshner Hospital, and mom's driving over the Huey P. Long Bridge, over the Great Mississippi River. We're going to the hospital to see Uncle Ralph, and Aunt Jerry is reading this Christian book 
on Daily Guide to Miracles. And in it, it was saying, if you want to change your life, if you want to get unstuck, begin to sow. You need love, then give love. You need energy, then give some of your energy. You need finances, then give finances. And, and it was a principle. I said, what are you reading? She began to break that down. And three months later, when my dad was being lowered into the ground, I was heartbroken, I was grieving, but I was not without hope because somehow I knew that if she could sow her way out of a dark, painful season, so could I. Come Come on. Can you say amen? So write these three things down. For me, life is really like a farmer. And so God is my source. I always look to God as my source. Not people, not Becky, not the church, not the elders, not friends. God is my source. And you should write that down. And you should say it. You should shout it. You should put it on your mirror. You should get it tattooed on your forearm, your, on your ankle, on your forehead. God is my source. Not my spouse, not my children, not my grandchildren, not this church. Hear me. When we work for a church or a business, we think that becomes our source. And I have noticed when I make church or people my source, then I get bitter because they can never fully pay me back. That's why when people say, hey, you did so much for the church, look what happened to you. It's like, talk to the hand, the face isn't understanding you, brick wall, slotting glass door. Oh, that's so 90s, isn't it? Sorry, but I'm going to look to God because he's the one who will not be mocked. And what I sow, I will reap if I faint not. Amen. Now write this down. The next one, I want you to write this down. I sow a seed. I sow a seed. And Becky and I have done this throughout our marriage. Whenever we had a need, we planted a seed. I know that sounds crazy. But for example, when one of our boys was struggling academically or relationally, you know, what we would do, we would invite another kid over to the house and we would bless him. Why? It is sowing a seed. It's sowing out of what you need. Are you with me? So everyone say, look to God, sow a seed, and expect a miracle. It always amazes me. You will never, okay, I see this at Starbucks, especially in busy airports. We were just in the Sacramento airport, early morning flight, Southwest. Oh my gosh. That is the airline for service pets and it's odd. Anyway, no, I'm joking. Love you, Southwest. Not really. Okay. Sorry, guys. People are doing this at Starbucks. And you could tell their faces saying, I want to see your man. It's like, oh my gosh, go sit down right now. Get your coffee and get out of here. No. Can I say right now, you'll never see a farmer doing this. Come on, see, take root. Take root right now. Why? Because he's expecting a miracle called the harvest of his life. Amen. Everyone say sowing in seasons. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to go to one of the greatest books in the Bible. I have read this book probably at least 50 times. There are verses in this book that absolutely not only changed my life, they directed 
the whole course of my life. I want you to go to chapter 3, and we're going to begin to read in Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes actually means, and when it starts off, you're going to see a word called the preacher or the teacher, and it means someone who has the ability, because when they communicate, people want to listen to them, so they're able to gather people. It's interesting, sometimes when it comes to speaking or leading worship or singing, a lot of people believe they're gifted to sing, but no one else is gifted to listen to them sing. How many of you ever met that person? You know, or they think they're gifted to communicate, but no one comes to hear them communicate. Now, this person, they say, could be Solomon, so he's the author, but he's playing a character in this story. It's one of the greatest wisdom books written to all people of all times. And he says this. He doesn't call himself, hear me, the king. He doesn't call himself a, sh a shepherd, a pastor, a prophet. He says, the preacher. And today, we have so many people, they don't really classify themselves as preacher or teacher. They call themselves content creators. And they love creating content. I got stuck on my words. Did you notice that? They loved create, they love creating content. However, can I tell you, he says the world in books will never end. Content will be created till the end of time. Then he says this, it's interpreted, this is very important, the word vanity, vanity, or meaningless, meaningless is in this book 38 times. It is a metaphor. And actually, the Hebrew word isn't meaning all of life has no meaning. Life has an amazing meaning. We are here for an incredible purpose. And so the author of Ecclesiastes, the, the metaphor, the picture is a vapor of smoke. Now, many of you probably were not raised around smokers. Uh, I used to, when I first started preaching or talking, a lot of times I talked out of the side of my mouth like this. And people thought, hey, did you have a stroke? Did something happen? Why are you doing this? And like, I go, hey, Becky, can you give me a candy bar? Hey, Beck, can you give me a sandwich, please? <laughs> and I didn't even know I spoke out of the side of my mouth until one day a young person in our youth group said, can I imitate you the way you preach? And I thought, sure. You know, I'd seen him imitate T.D. Jakes. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Somebody's going to get hit today. You know, I've seen people imitate Reinhardt Bunky. Fire Africa will be saved. Okay, you don't know who he is, but that is a good imitation of him. So I said, yeah, imitate me. He go, hey, I'm Pastor Jude. And I thought... <laughs> I expect you to go, do I do that with my mouth? She go, mm-hmm. So I started pondering, why do I talk like this? <laughs> True story, a lot of my aunts and uncles, my mom, they were chain smokers. And so my mom, that's a lighter. And then she'd keep the cigarette in her mouth, chewed. Take out the trash. Jude, cut the grass. And I went, 
Mom, do it yourself. No, come on. <laughs> now, because I was straight, then I thought, I think what happened is like, you never smoked, so why are you talking like a smoker with a cigarette on the side of your mouth? Unlock the lips, okay? Can I tell you right now, being raised around smokers, it's a, it's a funny thing. Like to see my aunt, we call her Aunt Cookie, her name's Janelle. And let me just tell you, if you want to know what team she's praying for today, right here. And so, kid you not, she would do this. She'd light her cigarette. She smoked Salem's filtered. Mom was a lucky strikes, no filter type of gal. <laughs> Ate up her lungs in a second. And then she'd do this, my favorite thing as a kid. She would blow smoke rings. And my twin sister and I, she goes, twins, come over here. See if you could catch the smoke ring. And we were trying to catch him. I never caught one smoke ring. Now, do you know what he's saying in this life? He's not saying it's without meaning. He's not saying it's vanity. People quote that when a woman puts on makeup, that's vanity. Well, you're scaring us. Go put your face on. Oh, God, did I say that? <laughs> okay, we need to finish here, or I'm not going to, my gosh, I'm already out of time, and I haven't got to the scripture. Okay, get this, true story. True story, true story. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying if you fix your hair, it's vanity. If you want a pair of new tennis shoes and kicks, it's vanity. He's saying life is like grabbing the marine layer. Life is like grabbing when Aunt Cookie and her sweet self would blow a smoke ring. None of us ever grabbed it. And what the preacher is saying 38 times life in death. That there is a beginning of your life, young person, and there will be an end to your life, young person. What makes an 18-year-old young man the best soldier? Because he thinks he'll never die. What makes him the worst driver? Because he thinks he'll never die. Can I say the preacher is saying, we have but one life. And it's not how much money you're going to have in the bank when you die. Or what were the promotions or the trophies or the t-shirt you wore on Super Bowl. I won't remember this five years from now. But I will remember what my life did in the lives of other people. Did I sow? Did I recognize this season that I'm in? Come on. Now, I, I want to begin to read this. And so what he's doing in chapter 3, through the whole book, he's showing the beginning and the end. The beginning and the end. So here we go. To everything, there is a season. Thus, necessary endings, sowing and season. A time for every person, purpose under heaven. So there always, there's an appropriate season. There is a purpose for each season. A time to be born. Come on, 
June was born June 1st, 5.07 a.m., 1989. A time to die when we brought him home and he never slept and I had to go and retrieve him. Amen. Then it says a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. Can I say many people love the idea of planting, starting a new business, starting a new church, starting a new career, but they don't like the, the summer part where you have to grow what you planted. Are you with me? And he says this, a time to kill, a time to heal. How many of you kind of got frustrated at people during this pandemic? A time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to do what? To throw away. Come on. How many of you think I've ever worn a shirt that is absolutely 100% out of date and too small? <laughs> Notice men, amen. not one man said amen. Only the women. They are, in fact, they must talk about it at Becky's Ladies Bible Study. I'll go home and I'll say, babe, where's my favorite shirt? Oh, I don't know. Where did you put it? Well, it was right here the last time I, I saw it. She goes, you mean that shirt that has holes under the arms and it's too small and it makes you so unflattering? No, babe, you are good looking, but it really makes you look bad. And I go, yeah, I love that shirt. But where, I think Gina came and helped me clean the house. I think she threw it away. You know she did. No, Satan, you are a liar. Are you, I'm the man of this house, that's my shirt. No, I don't want a new shirt. I want my old shirt. Is there any men out there feel my pain? Are you with me? Sometimes, men, there's just simply a time to throw it away. Amen. Can you say amen? A time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent. Oh, help me, Lord. A time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, a time of peace. America, it's time for peace. It's time for peace, America. We are not in a season where we're going to devour one another anymore. What profit has the worker from that which he labors? I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men and the daughters of men are occupied. He has made everything. This was in our wedding. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God has done from the beginning. So Ecclesiastes is all about, in chapter 3, there's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there is a time to begin, there's a time to end. And without the ending, we will never progress in life. Now I'm going to invite the band to come up. I want to give you, what are the four seasons? You know this, if you ever followed Carol King, that great apostle of music. Winter, spring, summer, and fall, all you have to do. Yeah, all the ladies from the 70s know that one, people. 
you have a friend. Okay, now listen. I want you to begin to get this. Spring is an introductory time. It is the beginning. And what happens for you to have a new beginning, you have to clear out the old. So when the farmer goes to the field in the springtime, he has to begin to clear all the debris from the winter. He has to begin to dig up the soil. And then he has to begin to prepare the seed to be sown. And without spring, there would never be a summer, a fall, or a winter. Many, many people, oh, they want fall. And I see this in millennials and Zs and young people. They want to, they have a vision, literally, to get to the top of the Himalayas. But to get to the Himalayas, you probably are going to have to end one season to begin another and start climbing one step at a time. And what I'm noticing, even in church today, I would say the last five years, people love new beginnings. It's like an entrepreneur. It's exciting. But a lot of people do not like the summertime because summer is different than spring. Summer, you see, spring, you clear out the winter mess. You begin to, you've heard of spring cleaning, and, and you begin to prepare for something new. Can I say, if you're in eighth grade, prepare for high school. And if you're in high school, believe it or not, very few of us are going to be like Joe Burrow or Jamar Chase. There will be 1% that will maybe make it. But you see, even, even this book is written to them as well. At the end of life, I don't know that whoever wins today, they're going to be kissing their Super Bowl ring. They're going to do with the lowest to the highest, the wealthiest to the poorest, men and women, no matter their background, at the end, we're going to want, hopefully, your family, unless you sowed so many bad seeds, they don't want to be around you, and maybe some dear friends, and that's going to be it. And so I want to live life in an appropriate season. So springtime for me, it's right now, it's January. I'm going to be 62. And I'm thinking, you know what, God? It's only eight years to 70. You guys want to hear something that's funky? Listen to this, young people. 40-something years ago, when I was 20, 42 years ago, I read in Psalms 90, before the mountains came forth, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And it says, give us a heart of wisdom. Why? That we may number our days aright. So when it's summer, put on your tank top. When it's winter, put on the Patagonia with your Uggs and a cap. Okay, when it is spring, begin to clean up. Are you with me? But then there's fall, we begin to reap a mighty harvest. No, get this, I kid you not. I'm a person, I don't know why I get confused with seasons. Several years ago, the grandkids were down. It's our first grandson, actually, Jack, he's about one. Dave and Donna, his other grandparents are here. Jude and Sierra and Becky and I. Everybody has a Patagonia jacket on but me. I was walking on the beach. I live by the beach and I thought, man, it's hot today. So I took off my shirt. Then here comes Becky and the whole crowd. Babe, we're taking pictures. I go, I don't have my shirt on. And she said, well, let's just take one. Let's see how it looks. So I got behind everyone kind of doing, it's like, what pose is that? And so they posted it in everyone's comment. Uh, did Pastor Jude not get the memo? 
It's winter. Put on a jacket. Can I say right now, I don't want to live in a season that I'm no longer in. For example, I am not single. I'm married. And one of the worst things that a married couple could do is try to live single when you're married. Now, let me say it another way. If you're a single and you found your significant other, but you haven't had the power and the intelligence to put a ring on her finger, you know, but yet you're sharing the same sofa, the same car, the same bank account, you're acting like you're married when you're not. So you're putting yourself in a season that you're not in. When you're single, God is giving you the grace, the righteousness to live single. But when you're married, for God's sakes, he's giving you the grace and the righteousness to live married. Amen? Can you say amen? Winter, we don't like. We don't like winter. We lived in Seattle. People asked me the other day, oh, I think it was the Conleys and friends walking on the beach path, didn't have a shirt on, but then I saw Terry and I thought, I guess I have to put my shirt on. <laughs> what is it with the shirt today? And so we're talking, they said, Pastor Jude, do you ever want to move away from Ventura? And I said, Satan, get behind me right now. I lived in hell for 20 years where they had four seasons. And I'm done with that. I like this eternal season called Ventura. And I could deal with two days of Ugg boots in a Patagonia any day. So I've been through them. And they go, what about seeing snow? I go, I'll go to Big Bear if I have to. Are you with me on that? One time I was in a wintertime, and this is where we end. Okay, I'll have to watch the clock. I was in a winter time and I thought, Lord, I've sown, I've sown, I've sown that there's no life on this tree called my life. And he said, Jude, you've been deceived. You've been deceived by your own faith and your interpretation of who I am in the scriptures. He said, you thought if you sowed, that meant you would have an eternal harvest. He said, if a tree in the natural always produced fruit and they never had a winter season, then it would kill that tree. He said, son, you have to trust me in all the seasons and that when winter comes and it looks like all that you've sown is ineffectual. No, it's at that point, the root system of that tree is going into the depths of the earth in receiving water and energy throughout the root system and it's bringing new sap that when the warmth of spring comes again, that it will have the power to produce again. He said, son, you are going to produce in every season of your life. When you were single, married, married with kids, married with empty nests, they're, they're now married, grandkids. Can I say, I want to bear fruit in each season of my life, but to do that in each season there's going to be a spring where you get ready of summer where you have to take roots and it's like and you know what the root part is everyone loves starting oh it's so fun there's nothing like it then two years later ah oh, we need it's boring now but summer's just letting roots go down then come on fall comes we reap a harvest then winter starts and then it starts all over again but you know what at the end of my life i want my life to count in jesus name will you stand up and Steve, 
I see the tying, and we're going to have to end soon. However, look at me. As a pastor, I have seen eight people pass away. And really, it's like someone trying to grab Aunt Cookie's smoke ring. Never forget, I know her name. Her husband adored her. Filled with faith, she would be diagnosed with cancer. Oh, how we believed. How we believed. And I was there when she took that last breath. And it was simply like this. It's gone. And I thought in those moments, from the time my dad passed away, I didn't see him pass away, but the eight others that I witnessed that life truly is a vapor. And at the end, let's say you were a president were exorbitantly wealthy. Let's just take some heroes of our time. You're Elon Musk, Tesla, civilians in outer space, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, maybe LeBron James, maybe Joe Burrow, maybe Stafford on the Rams. Know what? None of it will be different. Doesn't matter if you're poor or wealthy, a man or a woman. Doesn't matter what race we are. When that last breath, vapor, it is done. And at the end of our lives, I promise you, I will not say, man, why didn't I put a jacket on during the winter? Why didn't I make one more dollar? We will begin to say, what did I sow? Did I leave my mark? And did I live fully in each season that God placed me in? I want to enjoy my life. I want to enjoy where I live. I want to enjoy the season I'm in. I want to enjoy my family. And I want to enjoy what I have right now. No matter if it's a little or a lot, I want to start enjoying it. Are you with me? I want to enjoy when I walk. I want to enjoy when I taste my food. I want Because you know what it says in Ecclesiastes, when you get a little bit older, it says the knees don't work and the taste isn't what it used to be. And when you get up, I, I want to enjoy my life where I'm at right now by sowing, by reaping, by living in this season, not wishing for another. Come on. Are you with me? Let's pray. Everyone say, Jesus, I give you my life as a seed. I look to you as my source and I make you the Lord of my life now God give me the perspective to live appropriately in the season I am in I want to glorify you I want to worship you in this season in Jesus name Amen we so appreciate you spending time with us if you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.